Welcome to Seeking Alpha's Wall Street Breakfast, your daily source of market news and analysis. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Welcome to Seeking Alpha Editor's Roundtable, what moved markets this week for the week ending Friday, August 20th, a week where we had more selling than buying, a couple of bouts of risk off, most of it triggered by the Fed and their quasi-decision to taper bond purchases, which I thought was expected by the market, but apparently not. We'll be talking about all this and more today with my co-panelists in no particular order, Brad Olison, VP of News, Kim Khan, Senior News Editor, and Stephen Alther, Managing Editor of Breaking News. I am your host and moderator, Nathaniel E. Baker, Senior Editor of Strategic Contributors. It is late August, but we are all here. And let's start with Kim to give us the big picture overview of what, of what moved markets this week. Well, as you said, uh, we've had a, a push kind of to the downside um, on equities. And that's been basically the overall, as you said, the, the Fed minutes being the biggest thing. I was interested to see that, as I said, most participants now feel like tapering is going to happen this year. Um, that's that's going to change a lot of um, equity decisions, but it didn't really move uh, the bond market that much, which is kind of intriguing. I mean, we've, we've still got pressure on um, 10-year yield that's going down to now 1.2%. Um, I was talking to Kevin Flanagan of Wisdom Tree today, and he was saying that, that maybe the bond market uh, is moving on not thinking about tapering. They've already priced that in. And now they're just questioning about whether we're going to be seeing uh, when we're going to be seeing rate hikes. So we're maybe already in that in that um, genre of of dealing with it with with rate hikes versus tapering, and there won't be a taper tantrum. Otherwise, you know, I mean, we've we've had a had a mixed market where um, you know defenses did really well for a while, and then suddenly changed, and we've kind of gone back to um, you know, infotech and, and you know, the mega cap sectors. Right, yeah, this was not a taper tantrum, at least not in the 2013 version where recall bond yields spiked higher as investors sold bonds. In fact, as you say, the bonds have, were largely kind of shrugged this whole thing off, but a little bit of volatility in the stocks. And that is where I'm curious uh, from Brad about who the winners and losers were this week. All right, so as Kim mentioned, obviously the Fed is, is a huge presence in this market, but we also can't forget that China printed a, a pretty weak reading to start the to start the week off, put a sour tone um, on the market, and, and as a result, overall we did have more of a, a risk off move. Um, healthcare, utilities, and staples were some of the biggest winners, while some of the more cyclical names with energy and materials did suffer. Momentum stocks had a rough week um, as a result, as as people did. T- pause somewhat. The market is still not far from its highs, let's not forget. What I thought was interesting was was Goldman Sachs put out their sentiment indicator, noting a firmly negative reading recently, which is a, a rarity over the past couple couple months. I think it coincides with the that, that shocker sentiment 
reading in the consumer side last week that we talked about in this program. Uh, some, some solace, I think, for investors is buybacks still are strong. Earnings are extremely strong. You saw that the revenue beats, according to LPL Financial, were the biggest in this past earnings season in the last 10 years. So between buybacks and the yield for dividends and equities, you're still looking at a yield of 2.5%, which beats Treasury. So there's some some pluses to take away from, from the market. Um, but at least as far as the winners and losers on an individual basis, earnings drove a lot of the upside. You're, we're now in the part of earnings season where retailers tend to re- report um, lows. You know, obviously the home improvement company did extremely well. They raised their forecast. Uh, you also saw consequential, consequentially the Fund managers put out their holdings. Buffett took a bigger stake in Kroger. That also coincide with the SNAP benefits that were extended, which might help boost other retailers like Walmart and Costco, who, who've also done extremely well over the past month, just generally. But as I mentioned at the top of the, the segment, energy was among some of, them, some of the biggest losers. And I feel like a broken record when we're talking about some of these, these names like Occidental and Marathon and Phillips, Devon and Diamondback Energy, which were some of the biggest losers in the energy space. They're, you know, rather levered names. And so they're they're either up double digits or down double digits, it seems like each week. Uh, but definitely part of that that China data, which was a little bit weaker, putting a sour, sour tone on, on growth prospects, along with the fact that the Delta variant is a concern uh, for the growth picture worldwide, even though it, it may be somewhat, you know, localized as far as the damage in the US is concerned. Yeah, to illustrate your point, I feel nothing illustrates your point better on the retailers than Macy's, which not only beat on bottom and top line, but also reinstated their dividend this week. Macy's, the department store. It is not 1955, folks. Who still goes to department stores? Somebody is, obviously, even during a pandemic. Maybe it's their online channel. I don't know. It begs the question where they are getting this money to pay the dividend, but apparently they have it. So. I just felt that was a really interesting thing to that kind of jumped out. This mop, week. Other mall operators did extremely well. Bath and Body Works um, did quite well with, with with some of their earnings. So you know there is some 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 upside there in some of the retailers, or just the expectations were just atrocious. Or everyone feels like you do, Nat. That uh, you know who goes to Macy's? Well, if that reflects it, then someone does. Prime for a bounce. And, and apparently, Amazon is opening. Amazon has invented Macy's. They're going to be opening That's their right. department stores. So uh, hopefully, maybe they can buy than, Macy's. Hopefully, they do better than Bill Ackman and J.C. Penney. But oh uh, uh, yeah, or Bill Ackman and Borders. Remember that. Yeah. Um, anyway, Stephen. Yeah, more on Bill on. Ackman later. Okay. Um, uh, what I'm looking at this week is Jean-Claude Truchet, who uh, a fine gentleman who led the ECB post global financial crisis. And what he did was he paid too much attention to headline inflation numbers in, the, in 2000. I don't remember the exact years, 2011, 2012, uh, and not enough, not enough attention to, to the massive debt that was in the EU. And he hiked rates because headline inflation was high and uh, subsequently caused the EU debt crisis. And... I don't know if the Fed's learned from history or not, but you know, they're to me they're kind of going down this path a little bit. So Kathy Wood's comments this week with regard, Michael Berry came out and short, I guess, her funds. And I don't want to get into, you know, whether you should be long or short Kathy Wood's funds or whether Michael Berry's right. But she had some really interesting comments to say about inflation, really contrary comments. Uh, she said deflationary forces are still 
overwhelming right now. And what we're seeing now are some supply chain disruptions and some some rough year over year comparisons. Um, but it, w- it won't be long with, within the next three to six months, she, she assumes you're going to see uh, the deflationary forces again kind of take hold. Uh, and if she's right, uh, we have Jackson Hole coming up next week when the Fed's kind of boxed itself into the corner a little bit where they, I think they need to kind of announce a tapering here. Uh, if she's right, you know, it could cause a little bit more of a kerfuffle in the markets than, than everybody's uh, expecting. Maybe, but I wonder how much of that is just her talking her book. I mean, if there's deflation, wouldn't tech stocks do well, i.e. Tesla and all the other things that she's holding? Obviously, you know, I guess she's talking her book. To me, it's a very, it's a, it, it might help Tesla or it might not help, help Tesla. But what she's saying is there's still this, a massive debt overload in this country. There's still a lot of tech innovation going on. And the, those forces are more important than kind of a temporary you know, we're having trouble getting supplies from China right now. So the price of, you know, whatever Legos is up. So uh, it's, no, that's I'm, not, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying whatever. I'm not saying she's right or she's wrong. I'm saying it's really worth paying attention to. And if, if you remember what happened in the EU in 2012, where they hiked or they tightened policy in response to some, what it turns out to be very temporary perky inflation numbers it's worth paying attention. Yeah, no, Triche, if I recall, it was actually at the height of the financial crisis in 2008, 2009, when he hiked interest rates. A completely was it that early? Of, oh my God. I believe so. I completely out of left field. Right. When and everyone else worse. was flooding right. the market with liquidity and he was like, no, no, inflation is a problem. And and that, is, it was, I believe, when did Draghi take over? It might have been 11. But yeah, that was certainly the- Yeah, it was certainly a career end. It was certainly a career ender for Triche. Yeah. And- uh, uh, you know, and, and it Powell did somewhat similar thing when he came on in 2018, and and right. uh, he quickly learned his lesson and eased very quickly. But uh, mm. we're wondering, I'm wondering if they go down the same path this time. Yeah, and Bernanke too. Don't forget his little ladder thing there. Every meeting they were moving up. Uh, yeah, Greenspan and Bernanke. Yeah, yeah, Greenspan started, but yeah. Yep. All right, cool. Let's move on to the segment of the show where we discuss our favorite stories seeking alpha articles, tweets, or other items of interest that we have seen in our travels, starting with Kim. Well, talking about China, um, there's a B of A fund manager survey this week. week um, they do a monthly survey, and you know, China became like, the biggest tail risk that's you know, suddenly been new on the list. Um, you know, the uh, COVID Delta variant went down, um, taper tantrum went down, and China shot up all of a sudden as a huge risk. And I think that that's like, you know, basically they're saying that that could be the biggest thing. All, and they called it a drastically um, sharp decline in what, where they think global growth will go. So the, you know, if anybody's in emerging markets or something like that is, is very concerned with, with where China's heading. And, and in there, you know, if they keep doing what they've been doing, which is like, you know, saying like, okay, we're going to, you know, Beijing has the rule. We're going to do this. We're going to stop you from, you know, ha- people having too much power and too much money individually. Then it's, it's going to be a, a harsh, a harsh time for emerging markets. Not just emerging markets. I mean, China, I believe, is the third biggest consumer of, of in, uh, you know, on record behind the U.S. and Europe. And we've talked about this on this show before, and it's actually good to see that vindicated. Maybe Bofa were watching us. Maybe that's where they got the idea, but uh, we can we can think that if we like. But anyway, but the point is that 
this is a major risk. And of the three risks that we've seen, COVID on the one hand, taper tantrum on the other, and China, this one would appear to have most of the unknown unknowns to get Rumsfeldian on you there, and potentially the biggest gray cloud or, or even black swan, because I guess black swan is completely unexpected, so it wouldn't be that, but it is a, a potential major risk for the global economy. Brad, what about you? Well, I mean, that's a great segue. Uh, black swan tail risk to to my favorite story. But just to kind of to, to kind of put a finer finer note on that, the, the on the China risk side, you, you did see the crane shares CSI China Internet EDF drop eleven percent this week, which is which is massive. You in in my winners and losers segment, we didn't mention that because I usually tend to focus on the S and P five hundred companies, but China stocks just got bludgeoned um, on our ETF grading system on Seeking Alpha's website. You can see that the KWE which is the Korean shares ETF, uh, rates now an F in momentum, a D in expenses, F in risk, which is exactly what we were talking about. Um, worth checking that out on our site. But speaking of, of, of tail risks and, and black swans, the story that jumped out to me was Palantir um, surfaced in a, in a 10Q brought to the fore uh, just this week that they bought $50 million in gold bars. Um, you know, speaking around your 1950s <laughs> references, it seems like everyone, you know, that seemed to be like everyone's movie was about stealing gold bars. But anyway, Palantir bought $50 million worth to prepare for a black swan event. And that's over there. I think they have several billion dollars worth of, of cash. Um, and they're just exploring it to, to use it create creatively. Um, I don't know what $50 million will do to protect a $50 billion company um, from evaporating or imploding, but um, they seem to be grabbing that as, as some sort of hedge. And I think they do have a variety of other investments in, in SPACs and, and other other deals. But I just thought that was quite bizarre. Um, Palantir is a widely followed name, at least among our our, our readership here at Seeking Alpha, but uh, definitely worthy read of, of that article. And I don't know, very curious to me. And for me, I want to draw attention to the pro side of the Seeking Alpha website. This is a space where I'm now and spend, spend increasing, increasing amounts of my time editing content for our pro audience. And you should check it out. But uh, something I came across here from our, one of our contributors, namely Books Research, that's B-O-O-X Research. They cover a company here called the Beachbody Company. Stock ticker body B O D Y, and this is a competitor to Peloton. They have these things called the MYX mixed bikes. Um, this company went public through a SPAC a couple of months ago, and Book Re- Book's research are quite bullish, and they see 33% upside for this stock, and partly as a lower price alternative to Peloton products and a bunch of other stuff. Healthy balance sheet with. $350 million worth of cash and no debt. My favorite story is uh, Hershey Square Tauntaun Holdings. Bill Ackman's moving to shut it down, return shareholders, uh, and start a spark. Um, so it's been it's been a rough ride for those who bought into PSTH. A lot of them bought it at a, a serious premium to $20 per share. Bill Ackman had any opportunity over the past 18 months to to do a, uh, a, re- a more reasonably simple business combination, and I'm sh- which I'm sure would have done fine, but he had to prove he could do the most complicated deal, prove he was the smartest guy in the room and it all blew up in, in the shareholder's face. Maybe not in his face, I'm sure he'll be fine. But really interesting is that PSTH is actually trading below $20 a share, even though shareholders are guaranteed to get $20 in share, 
$20 in cash back plus a warrant in this new spark. Um, so not a lot of faith in uh, Bill Ackman at the moment, but you know, perhaps he will pull yet another rabbit out of his hat. Hmm. We'll have to see. All right, then that completes this week's show. Thank you for being with us. Remember, you can see these, all these shows, these videos in their entirety on the website, seekingalpha.com uh, slash videos. And just click on the videos tab on the top right and you will see it. And with that, we thank you for watching or listening as the case may be and look forward to speaking to you again next week. That concludes today's Wall Street Breakfast. Thank you for listening. For the best investment analysis and news on the web, go to SeekingAlpha.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can sign up for our other podcasts, Behind the Idea, Essay for FAs, Let's Talk ETFs, the Cannabis Investing Podcast, and Marketplace Roundtable on those platforms as well. Have a great day.